0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 this morning, and I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning on the subject of Community. I believe that community is an essential and often overlooked part of the Christian life. How many of you know sometimes we can get hung in the hamster wheel? We, we, we just run and we run the cycle and we run the cycle and we run the cycle and it becomes habitual and we just do the things that we do, but oftentimes we don't stop to consider what we're doing in full or more especially why we're doing what we do. I believe sometimes attendance to the house of the Lord can be one of those things. Our service to God can be one of those things that if we're not careful, it gets on autopilot in our lives and we really miss the deeper fundamentals of what God is trying to do in our hearts. Sometimes we show up on Sunday morning because it's the appointed time, it's the appointed place, it's the appointed day. But I want to just draw our attention for a few minutes here to the issue of community today and I want to speak to you in that regard. You know, there are a couple of words in the English language that I believe have, many have come to hold as synonymous to each other. And they are similar, very similar to each other, but they're absolutely not synonymous because there's a great difference between the deeper meaning of these words, especially as it relates to the body of Christ. And I'd like to take a minute here and draw a distinction if I could. Those two words are neighborhood, and community. Neighborhood and community, and you say, Pastor, aren't those both the same thing? And I say, No, they're not. They're not. I, I challenge you to look up those definitions. And the reason I want to challenge you is not to be, behave like you're in a neighborhood is because you can share a neighborhood but still not have community. This church, I don't want you to think of it as your neighborhood. See, a neighborhood as defined by Webster is a a place near, vicinity, the adjoining district or any place not distant, to be used exemplary, he lives in my neighborhood. That's the only commonality. Community, however, is defined as a society of people having common rights, privileges or common interests, civil, political or ecclesiastical. And many folks in the church take the same approach to their church experience that they do to living in their neighborhood. Can I tell you about my neighborhood for a minute? It's a wonderful neighborhood. I love it. Every day when I get up, I walk out into my driveway and I can't help but sing a chorus of It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Just kidding. But I am surrounded by neighbors, by definition, people that live in close proximity to me. We each get up in the morning and we share an entryway that comes into our community. We share a street and we share proximities, but other than that, we get up and we go our separate ways day to day, and some of the neighbors wave and say hi, and some of them move in and out and around in isolation, even with people all around. And can I tell you, sometimes, saints of God, we do the same thing with the body of Christ. We behave like we're a part of the neighborhood. We come in, we share entryways, we share proximity to one another as we're seated in the house of the Lord. Sometimes we say hi, and sometimes we extend fellowship, and sometimes we still move in isolation. We come in ten minutes late, we leave five minutes early, we don't say hi. We're like the guy on on the rental car commercial. We don't speak to another human being unless we want to, and we don't. And we can come in and we can behave like a neighborhood. We, We share that entry gate. We share the proximity. But I want to encourage you today to think of church life not like being in a neighborhood, but like being in community. You see, a community is not necessarily bound by geographical restrictions, but it's often defined by a commonality, something that I share with you, something that we hold dear, something that we value together. And I don't know about you, but I value the presence of the Holy Spirit. I value the move of God. I value what we've had here in this place today. And as they sang in the old song, I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's wonderful people. A community, as I said, is not necessarily bound by geographical restrictions but it's more centered around interests and commonalities and i believe that in this body we ought to share a couple of commonalities we ought to be very very interested in seeing the lost souls one we ought to be very very interested in seeing people baptized in the holy spirit we are to be very, very interested in seeing people grow in Christ. We are to be very interested in seeing our church as a sending agency, not only around the world as we partner with missionary partners, but also in this community as we come in the house of the Lord, we receive together, we stand in agreement for the power of God at work in our lives, and we go out to be a lighthouse to a lost and dying world. You see, community is actually a combination of a couple of words. Common unity. Common unity. I came this morning expecting God to move. I wasn't disappointed. I came this morning expecting to see miracles. I I leave this place expecting to see our church impact this community. We should share that common unity together. Listen, I want you to listen to how people groups are defined by the media outlets. Even in our own neighborhood, we have the business community. We have the religious community. We have the academic community. And if you're here today and you fit this community, please don't be upset with me. But you know, I was I was watching a program the other day and there was actually a guy who was reluctant to say what he was thinking or what he was feeling in his heart because he didn't want to upset the clown community. There's a clown community. In other words, there are a group of people that coalesce around the idea and they share the common unity of being clowns. Come on. I was like, is that a thing? I want us to be a community. I want us to be a people that that are... just share a common unity. And it's not to be a progressive church. It's not to be a traditional church. It's not to be contemporary or, or, or this kind of church. It's to be a New Testament body of believers that come together in the unity and pursue together the spirit and the things of God and go out into this world and operate as the same. Now... I know that Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And as an evangelistic organization, we need to operate that way. We need to show the love of Christ to those who don't share the same commonality with us. We need to be good neighbors. What accord do we have with the addict? What accord do we have with the heathen? Can I tell you today that evangelism is not about an accord but rather about our mandate to love as Christ has loved. But as it relates to the body of Christ and the operation of the church within itself, we need to operate as a community. The church is to operate as a community. One of the things we learned early on regarding the life of those who were a part of the church is that community was a common part of their experience. The church is not a club, it's not a religious organization. Now it is important for the church to have organization, to have its business affairs in order and to have organization and and ways of processing the cares of its people and ways of dealing with decision-making processes, checks and balances and accountability. But while the church may legally incorporate as an organization it needs to be, and needs to be managed as one, it's more important that the church is, according to Scripture, understood to be an organism, not an organization. And the church is a living, functioning system of interdependent parts which constitute the body of Christ. Romans 12 says this, Paul writing to the church at Rome, for just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. I can't come into this place operate in isolation and go out the door and not share community with my fellow believers and call myself a part of the body of Christ because I'm not when we begin to understand that our whole mindset about church begins to change our whole mindset about what it means to be a believer what it means to attend church begins to change you see, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14 and 27, we can read that same principle again. But I want to read you this quote here from Tim Chester, and it says this. A church is not a meeting you attend. It's not a thing you do. It's who you are. It's your identity. It's your place of belonging. I don't attend the church. I don't attend the body of Christ. I am part of the body of Christ look at your neighbor say neighbor I am part of you now let me tell you about this being a part of a biblical community involves intentionality like I said what we do unintentionally is get hung on the hamster wheels of life and we just do things out of repetition and we do things because it's habitual. But the Word says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. How many of you have things in your life that you do because you have marked it with intentionality? Let me ask you this. Did any of you accidentally get up and go to the gym this week? (laughs) I didn't think so. Matter of fact, I didn't intentionally or unintentionally. (laughs) If you can't tell. Maybe I did intentionally stay away. I don't know. Intentional means that it's done on purpose not by accident intentional means refusing to simply go through the motions why are you doing what you're doing here this morning for many going to church is a matter of convenience and not a matter of commitment but I'm committed to you and I believe that you're committed to the cause of Christ And I believe we need an understanding of the function of the body of Christ in fulfilling the commandment and the commission of Christ to go into all the world and make disciples. So intentionality means having correct priorities. Surveys show that many people feel that it's quite acceptable to simply watch a church service on the television. They never commit themselves to regular assembly. Others say that just talking about God and religion with friends at work or at an informal gathering from time to time is all the, quote, church that they need. But I want to tell you something, If you're, we welcome our online audience, we are so thankful for everybody that watches uh, on our, on our uh, live stream, we just appreciate them so much and we're glad to have the word of the Lord going out and we know that there are situations that limit people from being here, there are a lot of people that work and they watch online but let me tell you this, if you're just staying home just for the convenience of watching online, you are missing the value and the benefit and the blessing of being among those of like faith. The early church was focused on gro- the growth and the nurture of as believers. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves. They realized that lasting, productive relationships based on mutual love and respect are the substance of Christian life and growth. Can I say this? You say, Pastor, explain that to me. I'm, I'm going to explain it to you. We have a lot of self-proclaimed Bible scholars that know more scripture than you can shake a stick at and they never darken the doors of the house of the Lord because they can't stand the people of God. But can I tell you this, you can know all the scripture that you want to, but unless you're growing in relationship to other people in the confines of the body of Christ, you're not growing in Christ. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples. And when he got to that point, he didn't say, because you can quote half the Bible. He didn't say because you know all the theological principles and precepts, but he said, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. And if I'm going to have love for you, I've got to know you. I've got to be in relationship with you, and to be in relationship with you requires intentionality on my part. It was shortly after the birth of the church that Luke records these words and by the time that the book of Hebrews were written there were many in the church who had forgotten this imperative what was the imperative run back acts 242 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer and Many times, you know, we, we like to pull out Hebrews ten twenty-five for those that don't attend church. And and we like to bludgeon them with that, and we like to say, you know what, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. But I think oftentimes, however, church absence is symptomatic of something greater. The root cause is not that I vacate myself from the church or from the body of Christ. The root cause is that I've misunderstood why I was going to begin with. I've not rightly understood the purpose of getting up early on a Sunday morning. Getting myself dressed and dragging my poor self out of the house. How many of you know that it's a lot better sleeping on Sunday morning at 9.30, 9 o'clock than it is any other day of the week. Come on, come on, that bed feels better. Those, those covers are more comfortable, more comforting than at any other time during the week. I mean, they weren't that comfortable Saturday morning when it was time to go fishing. <laughs> but Sunday morning, man, something happens, I'm telling you especially when it's rainy outside you know at my house the 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 roof line comes to a v right outside of my bedroom window so all it takes is a little sprinkle of rain for the for the patter of that rain outside just to like put me in a coma (laughs) it was happening this morning Hence, I drank seven cups of coffee before I got up here, but don't judge me. I can quit anytime I want to. (laughs) Listen, if your ideas about the value of church attendance and church membership are me-centric, In other words, if all you see when you look at the church or you consider the investment of your time and your effort is what you're going to get out of it, then you're looking at it all wrong. That's not to say that you won't encounter times when there's just no teaching of the truth at a certain church and no life and you just feel that it's not meeting your needs and it is time to go, I understand that. I I know there are some people that are not pursuing the call and the purpose of God, even in their church. They're just there to satisfy people and to pacify a tradition and to get it over with week after week. And I know some people languish in that and are dying. I, I get it, I understand that. But all things being as they should, being a part of the church is just as much about what you can contribute as it is what you receive. Listen to Hebrews 10, 25 in the fuller context. We're going to back up to verse 24 and it says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. That's where it starts. In other words, by the time it rolled around to the book of Hebrews, they had forgotten that imperative of Luke chapter 2, I mean of Acts chapter 2, about purposing to, to just fellowship together and share a commonality in the things of God. They began to look at it from just what they could get out of it, and because of that, a lot of people had begun to drift away. And the writer of the Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you why Steve got up this morning and came to church. I came here this morning to provoke you. I came here this morning to stir you up. I came here this morning to encourage you. I came this morning to ask not what the church could do for me, but ask what I could do for my Savior who has ransomed me and redeemed me and restored me. And I'm going to be intentional as I walk through the doors to try to give more than I receive. How many of you know that in God's economy that's impossible? We can't give more than we're going to receive. And I'll dare say this, that there are many times I believe that there are many starving to death on church pews, not for a lack of the teaching of truth or the preaching of truth, but rather from being full of a truth that is stagnating in their hearts because they're bottling up years of training in their inactivity. Can I tell you something today? If the Holy Spirit has anointed you and has empowered you, it wasn't so you could leave here today and say, wow, we had a great church service. It was so that you could rise up as the hands and feet of Christ and serve one another and witness to this community and share the love of Christ all over Greenville, North Carolina. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When they get your order wrong at the restaurant, it's not about you and your little hamburger, it's about Jesus. When they cut you off at the stoplight, it's not about you and your little car, it's about Jesus when they act rudely to you and treat you some kind of way, you've got to, and hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm flesh and bone. And I get a real bad case of the Steves once in a while. I've got to say, Holy Spirit, help me. (laughs) Help me reel the flesh in. Help my face turn back to its normal color. Help my teeth unclench. I'm about to share the love of Jesus and I don't want to do it in a way they can't understand oh it's good to have fun in the house of the Lord amen We need to get up every morning, every time that it's time for church and say, not only God, how will you bless me today, but we need to ask God, how do you want to use me to encourage my brothers and sisters in the Lord today? Can I tell you that you're going through something right now? And maybe nobody will ever mention a word to you about it. But they know your struggle. They know what you're facing in life. And maybe they don't feel qualified to speak to you. But they're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching you in the midst of your storm. Lift your hands and raise your hallelujah. They're they're watching you when the battle's raging. Lift up your hands. I want to tell you something, even sometimes what you're going through is not about you, but it's about how God is going to use your testimony to benefit and to bless somebody else. Some days, some days I'm sitting in my office and the adversary comes in and he begins to tell me about how insignificant and how inadequate and just how little of nothing that I am and I begin to hunger for a word I just need somebody to reach out what? You're a blessing. God's using you. What you do does make a difference. And do you know what I do in that moment? I pick up my phone and I know people that are struggling themselves. And I begin to give them the word that I so desperately need in my life in that moment. I know that every pain comes with a purpose. Let me get back to this word here. Being a part of a biblical community involves unity. Acts 2, 44 through 46 says this, and all believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And I know this is a materialistic society and many folks get nervous when we begin to talk about selling off assets and giving the proceeds to the local church. You might be beginning to wonder where this sermon's going, but we're not going there but we will use it to illustrate the depth of commitment and unity there was in the hearts of people to reach a common goal Acts 4.32 says all the believers were one in heart and mind and no one claimed any of their possessions that was their own but they shared everything they had listen I read this interesting statistic, or this interesting statement. It's amazing what we can do when we have unity. Many members can accomplish collectively what the same members cannot do individually. An airplane is a machine that consists of 100% non-flying parts. But the parts working together lift the 450,000 pounds of a Boeing 767 airliner to an altitude of more than 35,000 feet at a speed of 530 miles per hour. What can you do? I don't know. God is chosen some of the most unlikely vessels to shake the world I'm not even going to when I look at you all I see is potential potential for the power I see conduits for the Holy Spirit I have one more point here and then I'm going to close Being a part of a biblical community involves missional living. Verse 47 of Acts chapter 2 says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'm going to tell you something, church. God is doing amazing things in this body. And if I could just speak to you prophetically this morning, I want to tell you that there's so much more that he wants to do. I believe, and you hear me say it from this pulpit often, that he is the God who does exceeding, abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. And I believe he wants to do that in the life of faith assembly. Some people may question, say, Pastor, why are we moving to two services? Why are we doing these things? Why are we doing that thing? I'm telling you, every bit of it is a stride. It's a step of faith to say, God, we want to avail ourselves in any way we possibly can to receive the miracle that you're about to pour out, the shaking that you're going to do in this community. We want to be a part of it. Missional living is keeping our eyes on Jesus and pointing others to him. Missional living is to live in such a way that Jesus has intentionally shared. We as a church, we strive together in community. I'm part of you. You're a part of me. We are parts of each other. You say, well, Pastor, I don't like this person, that person here in the church. Well, you go home and pray about that until you get right with God. There are to be no divisions in the body of Christ. But we're to work together to see lives transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in a few minutes with very much intentionality we're going to invite you as you're leaving this place to stop out in the foyer of the church there are going to be various groups we know that in in this Sunday morning service it's hard to be anything but a neighbor there's people on the pew in front of you there's people beside you there's people across the aisle from you you're sharing proximity you've shared an entry gate here this morning we want you to be able to build community. A common unity with others in the body of Christ. That's the reason that we have connect groups. That's the reason that we make a big deal out of it. Because we know it's important to the body of Christ that we live together and strive together in community. And we've got to afford the places and the spaces for that to thrive you've seen the advertisements, you've heard all the stuff. If you don't think it's for you, trust me, it is. It is. The, the members of our connect groups, those that have adhered before for now nearly two years, will tell you that it's a tremendous blessing. How many of you this morning, just by show of hands, will say, I'm, I've been involved in a connect group, and it is a tremendous blessing in my life? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Hands are going up all over this place. I want to invite you this morning, just very simply before we dismiss, to stand with me all over this congregation. And as many as would, I want to ask you to come forward and I want you to begin to pray and I want you to begin to seek God for a fresh anointing for a fresh power of the Holy Spirit to fall on your life that together as a body, to be together as a community of believers we would see the effect of the witness of a spirit-empowered New Testament church in Greenville, North Carolina going out and taking new territory for the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, rain down. As soon as we we do this one thing, we'll be dismissed. You can go out in the lobby. You can find your connect group. But right now, real quick, real quick, everybody that would say, Pastor, I'm hungry for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit over my life. I'm hungry for a fresh move of God in my life. I want to be a part of the living organism called the church that's taking new territory for the kingdom of God. If that's you, step out from where you are right now.